And it reads, Jesus said to them, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So today we celebrate the resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. This single event has forever changed mankind. This one event, the resurrection, proven throughout history, archaeological facts, books, records of all civilization, no, and it is it is undisputable that yes. Jesus died on the cross and that he rose again. Yes. It is this single event that separates Jesus from every other religion. It is this single event that changed your life and will change your life if you've never accepted him. Yes. Yes. I'm reminded of even our, our dating right now. Uh, B.C., before Christ and A.D. after death. That that single event actually split time. It actually stopped um, as as they were, um, they did the uh, presentation and talked about the veil being ripped in twain. It talks about earthquakes happening, it darkened, uh, and the veil representing the curtain that separated us between, uh, from man and God, and now we no longer have uh, that need to go to a priest, that Jesus became our high priest when he died. But his single sacrifice changed everything. Because prior to his death, we were all condemned to hell. We were all on our way to hell. There was only one chosen people, and that was the Jewish race. Those were the people, the, the people of promise, God's chosen people. And so as we look, I'm going to make some outrageous claims today. Uh, I'm going to be very emphatic and very dogmatic about the fact that Jesus is the only way. That there is no other hope in anything, not religion, not yourself, not careers, not money, not anything you find gratification in can save you from the hell and damnation that we all are supposed to have because of our brothers and sisters, Adam and Eve. They caused us a lot of issues. We can't do anything about it now. But Jesus has provided a way of escape. And so today I just want to boast a little bit about who Jesus is. So he's the only begotten of the Father who was born of a virgin, a sinless man who lived on this earth for 33 years. He is called the bread of life, the living water that quenches your thirst. The root spring of David. He is called the great physician. He is the deliverer. He is faithful and true. He is the holy Messiah. He is the I am. He is the light of the world. He is the forgiver of sins. And he is God. There's one more that I want to expound on. And that's going to be the primary place where I take my subject. And that's John 14 and 6. Where he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So this is very important that we understand that. Not just from a theological standpoint, but we understand this from a very applicable, uh, everyday way. So I just don't want to throw a whole bunch of theology at you and a whole lot of things about redemption and the blood and you know the body and all those things. I, I, I'm not interested in it today. I do want to expound on those three areas. The truth. Excuse me, the way, the truth, and the life. So the way is simply a path or a road. Simply a path or a road. We can try to find many ways 
to happiness. We can try to find many roads to happiness, contentment, and fulfillment. But all those fall short because they are incomplete, temporary, and not eternal. So if we think about it, we'd be like, those are big words and kind of rounds a little bit. But basically what I'm saying is that anything outside of our faith in Jesus Christ will perish. Money will perish. Jobs will perish. Cars will perish. Relationships will, will perish. All those things will be done away with when you pass from life to death, which is really life. Because the fact of the matter is that sometimes we think that after we die, it's over with. Some religions believe that. Some believe you're going to reincarnate. You're going to come back. You're going to be the spirit of this and spirit of that. And all the reincarnation, which we don't believe in, which is not absolutely not biblical, which is not uh, what God has prescribed for us. I'm not coming back as a cat or a dog or a rock or, you know, angry this or a chair or, you know, some better person. I'm not trying to get better. God is going to make me better. So there's a lot of confusion in the world today as it relates to religion. And Jesus makes this claim and basically says, I am the only way. The only way. There are not many ways. We do not believe that all religions lead to God. We believe all religions have a road and they stop at some point except Christianity. That makes a lot of people mad. A lot of people like Christians are so intolerant. How can you believe all these people that never were able to hear God and see God and, and know God and all that stuff understand that God is a loving God? His power is not limited to me as a preacher being able to ensure that I can preach to every person on the earth. Understand that some people will not hear the gospel. Does that mean that they're going to hell? Absolutely not. That means that God is big enough and able to reveal himself to them supernaturally, miraculously, however he chooses to do. I don't stand here as a judge, but what I do stand here is the fact that if you are under my voice, you are held accountable for the truth. That God will give you today. Amen. So he says he is the way. The single way. So there is no. Um, we're not universalists. We're not Unitarians. We're not like let's all stand in a group. And hold hands. And sing kumbaya. We're all going to heaven. It's not true. It's not going to happen. You'd be like pastor that's kind of harsh. But the reality is, is. If the building was burning down. And I tell you there's only one exit. Right, to, for me to say for you to run through any door except these back two, the front and the back, would be wrong. So if this building catches on fire and I tell you to run in my office, there is no door out. So basically that's what's happening if we stand all together and say, oh, well, all, reads, all roads lead to heaven. It's not true. It's not what has been revealed. And if you study other religions and other scriptures, they'll say and they'll mingle. This is the interesting thing about other religions. Is that they mingle a little bit of Jesus in there. So Islam, Jesus, he's a good man. He's a prophet. You know, there's a, a Hindus and Buddhism and Taoism and Sheikhism and all these things like that. And, you know, actually I went and I, I did a, um, a diversity panel. And there were three other religions on there. And it was interesting that Islam, a lady that I was, we weren't necessarily debating, but we were just sharing our faith. Uh, and it was interesting that Islam, 
that they take a lot of, when, and actually the very beginning of the, 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 the Bible, the, the Torah and all those things like that, the difference between Ishmael and, and Isaac and all those things, the promised child and the one that, that, that man came up with and God promised to bless Ishmael and all those things like that and that's where Muslims came from, all that stuff. But they love to say, oh, we believe in Jesus. We believe that He was a good man. We believe that He was a prophet. Uh, we even, uh, and I didn't know this, but actually the, the headscarves that they wear are actually to honor Mary. It's like, really? It's interesting. It's like the covering, it's the way, it's like, that's why we do that. I said, oh, well, that's great. But again, I had to tell them emphatically and without reserve that there is only one way. I respect your religion. I'm not saying that we go out and we become radical and all y'all sinners are going to hell. We have to have love love and understanding and all those things. But when it comes down to it, we have to be very careful of mingling amongst things that can deceive us. Um, And it's not just those major religions, but there are all these new age spiritualized spinoffs of Jesus. Um, Jesus wasn't really born of a virgin. He really wasn't sinless. He was married. And, you know, he had sex with a woman. He had all. He did all these things. And you know, uh, he was uh, the brother of Lucifer. And he. There's all these crazy doctrines that we have to be so very careful of. But, anyways, Jesus says that I am the way. And even now, the rise of atheism and agnostic belief. Which atheism believes there is no God. Agnostic acknowledges something. A higher power. A female God. A woman God. A cow God. There's something out there. Some great um, power that leads us somehow. And then the greatest of all is the, the God of science. Which I love science. I enjoy space. I enjoy physics. I'm a maintenance guy. maintenance manager. So I enjoy those things. But today... The belief, the faith in science is astronomical compared to the belief in God who is the creator, intelligent design, uh, that there had to be someone that created all this, that nothing couldn't come from nothing. And they'll be like, well, where did God come from? God always has been. So we only understand God in the terms of life and death, born and die. But God has always been. There was, there, there was nobody to create him. He just has been. And so that's why he could say that I am the first and the last. I am that I am. I'm everything. I'm the creator. The very thought of you, the notion of life and death came from God. So there was no beginning and end to God. You're trying to limit God to a physical realm or something that he actually gave you. The knowledge of life and death with Adam and Eve, beginning and end. God is not contained by that. He just is that. So what we have here, over here on my my right which is your all's left, or not you, that's uh, my left and your all's right, is our tomb, uh, wonderfully made in-house by uh, our creatives uh, here at RCC. We're so thankful for them that, that put the time uh, to make our tomb. This is the tomb. So in our scripture, we talked about why are you looking for the living amongst the dead? So this represents the tomb of Jesus. And understanding that he is no longer there. And so what happens when you go looking for any other religion, spiritualized, spin off of Jesus, even some belief in yourself, is that you come and you lay right here amongst the dead. 
understand that everything that's dead was here. Jesus is the only one. So when you decide that you want to become a Muslim or you want to uh, go off in some new age spiritualized thing or even uh, nowadays of uh, the consciousness movement, we go and we mingle amongst the dead. Uh, Buddha has never claimed to come back to life, neither Allah or his prophets. Uh, but Jesus is the only one crazy enough to make the claim that he would rise on the third day. In our scripture, because the, the women, when they came and they were looking to anoint him, they had forgotten. And I know sometimes we forget that he is the truth, the way, and the life. That he is the only way. But the angels came and reminded them and said, oh, remember what he said. So today I need you to remember what I'm saying when the enemy comes to dissuade you to go another way. Or maybe that's the way that you believe that there is many ways. Or that there's some other way. I want to ring the alarm. I want to sound the bell like the house is on fire. Don't go that way. Because at the end, there will be no mercy. There will be no, 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 no loving kindness. This is our opportunity to make it right with God. Amen. So when we go dabbling in this and that, in everything opposing God, we actually go seeking the living amongst the dead. You think what you believe or understand about God is in that dead place. So he says every other religion is dead. We love every other religion. We can embrace them. We're not going to... Uh, uh, do anything to harm another religion. So don't take my uh, uh, dogmatic uh, approach to say that we don't love people, that we don't help people, that we won't ride in a car or invite them to dinner or do anything like that. We love people. But when it comes down to the truth, I have to give you the truth. Uh, and so knowing that, I'm moving on to the truth. So the truth is the body of real things or an event or a fact. So there is truth and there is a lie. So Jesus' resurrection was witnessed by more than 500 people. And Paul states in 1 Corinthians 15, 3 and, 3 and 6, if you're taking notes, he says that more than 500 people seen Jesus resurrected and walking around. He said and the majority of those people were still living. That's 1 Corinthians 15, 3 through 6. So Paul, as he's writing... First Corinthians, he says he was seen by more than 500 people after he rose. So 500 witnesses. Imagine that. That's eight, nine times the amount of people in this room right now that witnessed Jesus being rose from the dead, his resurrection, his glorified body. So we have the examples of Thomas and the different ones. Um, the Mary, Mary Magdalene, all those, his disciples all seen him. And so there was more than 500 people. It's, it's proven. There are archaeological facts. There are witnesses, statements, all those things like that. So that's the theologic and kind of the spiritual aspect of the truth. But then there is a truth about you that God wants you to know. That you are loved, that you are accepted, and that you are wanted by God. Um, that you can change. You have not done too much. You are not alone or abandoned. The fact is, is that he died to make you free from rejection from the, and the harmful effects 
of sin. So up here on, on, on our tomb, we have some things that Jesus died for. So we have strife. And it should be unforgiveness. I don't know what happened, but forgiveness, unforgiveness, shame, condemnation, depression, lust, sin, sexual sin, relationships, gossip, murder, envy. There's not enough paper to name all the things that he died for. But when you find yourself struggling, when you find yourself locked in and prison to these things, I need you to understand that what's really happening is that you're back here again saying that. You're looking for the living amongst the dead. Understanding that everything that's dead is still here. And everything that is alive is now up and moving. Jesus, with all power in his hand, has given you the ability to be free from all of that and more. He's given you the ability to walk out of the tomb the same way he did. So whatever you're struggling with today, the power of Jesus is what it is that you need to get out. I get asked the question all the time, well, how do you do that? You trust him. So trust is much different than just faith. Faith, I'll give you a good example. You're driving your car today. You all believe that your brakes are going to work when you get in the car. Yeah, they're going to work. They haven't failed. Nothing. Great. You put it in park, drive, whatever you take off. You believe again that they're going to work when you need to stop. Trust is the fact that you push the brake. You use Faith and action equals trust. So sometimes you say, well, how do I get out of this? Well, for one, you acknowledge who Jesus is. You repent of your sins. And repenting is it's a simple word, but sometimes we use a very spiritual jargon. And people are like, well, I know I need to repent, but I'm not sure what that really means. What it simply means is that you change your mind. So where I used to be in strife or unforgiveness or shame, I believe that everything that I've done is my fault. And I should pay for all the wrong that I did. That's shame and condemnation. Or maybe I'm experiencing a depression or a walk in lust or some type of sin. I believe that I should pay for everything wrong that I did. Well, this trust is the fact that God says simply if you believe in me and who I claim to be, that I'll wipe away all of that. That I'll make you clean. That I'll make you new. It will be as if you never did it. He paid a price. So all these sins cost something. The wages of sin are death. Wages are money. The wages of sin, the money of sin is death. You have to pay a price. So what God simply says, and this is the gospel, is that when you ask for forgiveness, I will forgive you. When you ask me to come into your life, I will do that and I will change you. I will make you new. Not within your own power. I see way too many people trying to live this thing out in their own, yeah. on their own. And what I say is from a legalistic standpoint, yeah. they come into church and they see people that are, are saved, healed, and delivered. And they say, I must act like that. My God, my God. To a certain degree, that's true. But do you know Jesus is not concerned about your actions right now? He just needs you, your heart to change. He doesn't need you to automatically just start working, just start cleaning yourself up. Well, I can't say that no more. I can't do that no more. Now, if God has given you the power to overcome this sin, absolutely overcome it. But if you find yourself struggling, that doesn't mean that he loves you any less. So many times the church is like, you have to dress up, you have to do this, and there's nothing wrong with dressing up. We're a very dressed down type church. We don't care. You can come here with a touch. You can come here with whatever. But sometimes we can dress up our problems. 
we can hide all these problems, all these heart issues, uh, all this rejection issues, all this all this strife, uh, all this sexual sin, all these drinking problems, uh, drugs, whatever it would be, porn. There's all kinds of stuff that we have been in or that we're in, and we come into church, and all the all of a sudden it's like, shh, don't talk about that. You still do what? You still doing it? No, no, don't, 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 don't bring that up. Don't, no. You still watching porn? Oh, get up here to the altar. We're going to cast it out of you instead of walking with you or helping you or, or coming beside you. Uh, you're struggling doing whatever it is. We never deal with the root of the matter, and that's the heart. Because God says that he loves us with an undying love. And so I'm going to give you this example about relationship or about your relationship with God. So if you come and work at my house, is that really a relationship? Like, I need you to come clean my house. I need you to come paint my gutters. I need you to come, and I need you to do that all the time. Mm-hmm. Like, every time something goes on, I need you to come to my house and work on something. Is that a relationship? No, that's just work. Well, sometimes that's what has happened in the church. Just come here and usher. Just come here and do this. Just come here and lift your hand. Just come here and clean. Just come here and paint the building. And what happens is you never get to know the owner. So if you come to my house and I should be like, Tim, you take care of this. You do this. I'm going to go talk to you later. Come back. It's done. Great. Do it again. Walt, can you come? Do this. Great. There's never any relationship. We don't sit down and talk. We don't sit down and eat some chicken wings. Or we don't uh, grab a Coke. Or we don't uh, fellowship together. So what can happen is, is that there's never really a relationship established. So how can you ever really know him? Because the way he wants you to this thing to work is that you love him enough to not sin. He's provided the power already. He said, I got up out of the grave. So when he got up out of the grave, he took sin, death, and hell. And he said, I, I overcome all of those. All that's overcame. So when I give you that power, but all you do is come to church and work. And don't get me wrong, working is needed. We must build the kingdom. But when that's all you do, and you never really know the person that you're working for, then you never can really love him. You never can really experience him and his loving kindness for you because you're too busy working. God, God needs your service, but he wants you to know him as a loving father. He, he wants you to know him as uh, God the creator, as a friend, as all-powerful, as all-knowing, as gentle, as the God that knows the very count of hairs on your head. He wants to know. He's concerned about everything that concerns you. But if you're only working and you only come here to work, or even when, even uh, apart from the church, you're working to be righteous. Well, I can't do this. Oh, my God, I bought that. Um, uh, God hates me. You know, I said that. I slept with this person. I've done this. It's all legalism. It's all either you do everything right and God loves you. If you do everything wrong, God hates you. That's not the God that we serve. So the truth of the matter is that God loves you and he accepts you. He wants you to change. He said, holiness without no man shall see the Lord. We must be holy. But understand your holiness must be produced by love. It must be produced by love. It is love that drives us to Protect our children, protect our husband or wife, do different things, provide, do all those things. It must be by love. And that's what God wants you to be obligated to serve him and to do everything that you do for him 
For love. For love's sake. Not because you're scared that you're going to go to hell or God's going to judge you. He's going to send a lightning bolt and, you know, blow you out of the water. That's not the type of God that we serve. So the truth of the matter is that God loves you. And when you go back into those places of unforgiveness, of isolation, of depression, you go back. Or when you're trying to work for your salvation again, you're over here in the dead looking for the living. When God says that I am up here. I'm not there anymore. When we get in those places where we believe that God doesn't love us, that God doesn't want us uh, because of our past and because of rejection issues, daddy issues and mama issues and all those things. He says, when you get engulfed in that again, that's what you're really doing. You're going back to all those things I died for. You're just hanging out in the tomb. You're just hanging out there. You're just, you're just there kind of just... Well, this is this is me. This is my life. This is the way God has made it. I don't know how I'm ever going to get out. He's already opened the door for you to walk out. But you keep running back saying, I'm not good enough. God doesn't really love me. Uh, I know they keep telling me he forgives me, but I don't believe it. Again, that's trust. Trust says I'm going to get up out of this cave. I know I don't feel forgiven, but sometimes you feel like a nut. And sometimes you don't. Feelings are fickle. If you won $100, you'd be happy. If you, if you walked out the door and lost $100, you'd be sad. So understand, you can't live this life based on feelings. You have to base it on truth. So life. We all have life. But that's not what Jesus is talking about. What he is talking about is a changed life. A vigorous life devoted to God. The life Jesus is talking about is one of peace. Meaning that you've made peace with God. The only way you're ever going to have peace is that you have made peace with God. That you are choosing to serve him. That you are choosing to uh, be one with him. Because what our present life looks like when we are not connected to God or when we are not saved. It is literally a man with skeleton bones. You're just walking around. A man full of dead bones. We can find enjoyment and passion and enjoyment and all those things like that. But you never really find peace. You never really find purpose or answer the question, why am I here? So he says, I want to give you life. In John 10 and 10, he says, the, the thief cometh not but to steal, kill, and to destroy. He said, but I come that you might have life and you might have it more abundantly. Jesus said, I came that I might give you a better life. I would give you a life free from these things that hold you captive. That cause you to struggle in life. These things that would hold you. And one of the things when we talk about life is, I'll put up their relationships. You're like, how did, why, why, did, why did he put relationships? Well, God, God was dealing with me very strongly, even last Sunday, about relationships, about toxic relationships, about relationships that are causing you to put them before God. And that's called idolatry. God says, I'll have no one before me. I'll have no one in front of me. And so I'm not just talking about husband and wife because that can be it too. You can, you can extend your husband and wife above God. Uh, dating relationships, uh, parent and child relationships. You can extend your child above God. When God asks you to do something, well, God, I got to, you know, I got to take care of this with my child or with my husband or with my boyfriend or with my girlfriend. God says these relationships, and not that all of them are toxic, but there are some toxic ones. The ones that 
And basically, when you find yourself getting in their presence, everything goes wrong. Everything just, so when you talk about toxic, so like nuclear toxins or something like that, when you just come in contact with it, it infects you like radiation. And so when you're in something toxic, you're in something that affects you and you might not even be around it very long. But there are toxic people that do things, that say things, uh, that plant thoughts, that put you down, uh, that make you have low self-esteem, that you walk away from like, why did I even talk to them? Why did I even call them? Or they make you believe that you're less than, or that you're no good, or that you know, you're never going to accomplish anything. Or when you have some dream, or some purpose, or something, that they be like, oh, you're not really going to accomplish that. Do you, do you know... Uh, how much schooling you got? How are you going to be able to do that? Dream killers is what they're calling. That's why you have to be careful in what you share with people uh, because people that are, even your friends that are intimidated of you, um, that are insecure within themselves will try to knock you down and try to talk to you and, and, or talk about you. And so with relationships, we have to be very, very careful. And who we hook up with and who we're intertwined with and what we place in front of God. Yes. So absolutely, you can put your children above God. You can put your husband and wife above God. And God says, I don't like it. My God, my but Matthew 6 and 33 says this, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these other things will be added. That's the key to this whole equation. Is that we seek God first. And you want a husband, you want a wife, yes. you want kids, you want all these things like that. You want your house to run well, you want your marriage to be good. Is seek first the kingdom. Seek his will. Seek what he has for you. And then he says all these other things, but what do we do? We do it all in opposite. I got to find me a husband, I got to find me a wife, I got to find me some kids, I got to do this, and then God, can you bless all this? When God ain't ordained none of it. When you want God, God says, if, you, if you'll trust me, uh -huh. he says, I'll make your pathway straight. Yes. He says, won't I bless you with any good thing? Yes. So we have to be careful about what we're doing in this life. Yes. And so I have a couple other things, and, and I'm almost done. I got some degrees here laying on the floor, and I got some money. So in life, what we can do is not only just relationships do we put before God, but we can put money before God. Yeah. We can put careers. We can put education. And all those things are good. If you've been a remnant for any amount of time, we're going to push you to get some education. We want you to have a great job. We want you to excel. But not at the sake of your salvation. God says, I wish that you would prosper and be in good health, even as your soul prospers. I was reminded as I was preparing this message about when Jesus was led uh, to the top of the mount by the enemy or by Lucifer, the devil, whatever you want to call him. And Lucifer said, Jesus, I'll give you all of this. I'll give you the whole world. So we understand that the devil is the prince of this air. He owns everything in this world. He is the prince of this air. He rules it. So he said, Jesus, I'll give you all of this if you'll do what? Bow down and worship me. And of course, Jesus said, get behind me, Satan. Every word that... Um, I can't remember the whole thing, but basically he said, uh, get, get behind me, Satan. So I say all that to say, what are you worshiping? What are you putting before God? Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. If your life is not dedicated to God, 
if God doesn't come first. And so this is the thing about priorities is that just because you uh, don't spend as much time at church or you don't spend as much time uh, doing things like that doesn't mean that it can't be a high priority. It, it doesn't mean that you don't give God 100%. So we all work, we all have families, have all these things like that. So we don't assign importance or percentage of, um, how do I say, yes, importance to the level of priority or time it takes. So if you only spend two hours here at church, that doesn't mean that you only give 20% of your effort. And you just come in here and just sit and be like, well, I'm going to have everybody serving. You give 100% of everything that you have for those two hours. Eight hours at work, you give 100%. So everything has different priorities, different things like that. But what God is saying is that, I'm not saying you just got to walk around all day long speaking in tongues or praying or fasting or doing all those things. He said, but I need to be first in your life. And first in your life looks like, God, what would you have me to do? It comes down to jobs. It comes down to uh, anything, any decision in your life, you should consult God. Because ultimately, we end up asking God, is this the right one? Is it the right way? Is this the right job? Is this the right school? So we'll go to God with our plan, but we never ask God, what is his plan for our life? And so many people get disappointed when God says, that's not it. Don't go that way. Because we take off down this lane and be like, God, I know this is the right road. Lead me, guide me down this road. And he says, turn this way. And you're like, hold on. Uh, That's the right way, right? No. He says, this way. And then we get mad, like, well, I'm going this way anyway. I don't care, care what God says. Then all hell breaks loose. Everything goes wrong. He calling us. I'm like, I know. I know I shouldn't have went that way. You just please pray for me. Please, please. Like, it's all done fell apart. I know God told me. How about we obey first? I know it don't feel good going this way. He says we got to die. He says we got to give up all. We got to leave mother and father to go this way. But he says that I'll give you everything that you need, everything that you want. I'll bless you abundantly if you'll just go this way. But no, we like, no, I know better than God. So today, what God is saying is why do you seek the living amongst the dead? Why do you think within your own mind, within your own heart, that you can really figure any of this out? He said, my plan is very simple, actually. That I just need you to trust me with your whole life. I need you to take my hand, allow me to come into your life and change you, lead you and guide you. I know sometimes you're not going to completely understand it all, but God says, I just need you to trust me because when you dwell in this, this is where you stay. You find yourself in bondage day after day. And one thing that Jesus said And it's my closing point. He says, all that are heavy laden and need, come to me and I will give you rest. All those that are burdened down. So being in this cave is going to burden you down. It's going to make it heavy. It's going to make it seem like it's impossible to ever make it. But Jesus says, come to me, all those that are heavy laden and weighed down and tired of this life. He said, and I will give you rest. I will give you the peace that you need to be able to make it. I will give you the hope, the joy, all the things that you need to see a brighter future. I run into so many people that have lost hope. that don't know if it's going to get any better. And typically what it is is, They're holding on to all this stuff. And the weight is too great. 
yeah. and they find yeah. themselves giving up yeah. and they can't see the light. I'm so thankful that Jesus says he is the light of the world. That's why he says, I am the way, the truth, and the light. I don't need you to do a whole lot of rituals and a whole lot of backflips and a whole lot of stuff. He said, just come. Come. And I'll never reject you. Even those that know God now, you can find yourself just being in this legalistic limbo. I don't know if God loves me. I don't know. I didn't do it all right. You know, I'm depressed. And I'm suicidal. You know, I do drugs. I find myself looking at porn. I don't know if he really loves me. I'm sick. I don't know if he's going to heal me. God says, trust me. That I got up. I got up. It was seen by 500 witnesses. There's so many testimonies of God's life-changing power. He says, trust me. Don't just put your faith in me. That's step one. He said, trust me. Trust me is to come. To come no matter what state you're in. To come no matter where you're at in life. That it's not too late. You're not too old. You're not too young. You haven't done too much. He says, come. That I might change your life. Come. That I would make you that new creature. That you would be able to sleep at night. That you would have renewed vision. That you would have purpose. Uh, that you would know why you were created. He said, come. Hallelujah. Come. Ah, glory to God. Come. Ah, all those that are heavy laden. Those that seek my rest. Those that want to know what's this all about. Why am I here? He said, come. Hallelujah. Why do you see the living amongst the dead? Amen. It's like looking for light in the graveyard. Yeah, yeah. I don't see too many people hanging out at the graveyard. It is, I do see them, I'm a little concerned. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> if I ask you where you've been, you'd be like, I've just been hanging out at the tomb. <laughs> what tomb? <laughs> you know the one over there on Main Street. I've just been hanging out over there at the grave site. Yeah. I'd be like, your family now? If you've been hanging out, you, you might need a little help. <laughs> but there are times that we can look for peace in the graveyard. Yes, yes. What do I mean? When you go to drink and you're looking for peace, yes, yes. you're looking in the graveyard. When you need your mind to calm down and you figure, I just need to smoke some weed to get my mind to calm down, you're just looking for peace in the graveyard. Yes. I'm looking for love well, in my relationships. You're just looking for it in the graveyard. Nobody's going to love you like Jesus is going to love you. Yes, that's right. And there are a lot of times that we're in relationships and we can expect him to be everything that we need that's yes. looking for it in the graveyard. Yes. But if you're looking for true peace, well, if you're looking for true happiness, don't look for it in the graveyard. You got to look for it in Jesus Christ where there is life and life more abundantly. Yes. How many of us have ever looked for stuff? If you want to be honest, you really were looking in the graveyard yes. and found yourself disappointed when the grave didn't produce what you thought it was supposed to produce. You mad at the dirt that God created and thought that that was going to bring you something else. Uh, but it's not going to bring you what you're looking for because what you're looking for only comes through Jesus Christ. Yeah. So if you've been ro roaming around and in relationships and in careers and in jobs and you ain't found what you were looking for, it's because you were looking for it in all the wrong places. Yeah. But you have found the place to find it. Yes. 
this is the place where you will you can find what you were looking for. Yes. Yes. You can find the peace, the joy, the prosperity. Yes. I can show you the place. Hallelujah. It's no longer in the tomb. My God. So whenever you decide I'm gonna go and get high because that's the only place my mind relaxed, just know that you just went over to the graveyard. Yes. That's right. Yes. That's right. Yes. And then you get mad because you now your high is gone and you still ain't got what you were looking that's for. Right. That's right. I know you're right. I want the altar workers to come. Now you're mad. It's just like I didn't spend that money. Okay. Let's <laughs> let me let me go and be real with you. You ever got a bag of weed and you thought that, you know, they told you it was potent. Uh-huh. <laughs> I'm just trying to put it where everybody understands. Uh-huh. You got that bag of weed and you couldn't wait to get home. Amen. You'd be like, and some of y'all didn't wait to get home. You was rolling it up in the car. Mm. And so then you in the car and you, you just smoke some and you're mad. You're like, that's so what is this? Say to a Italian season, this ain't got, this ain't getting me hot at all. Ain't did nothing for me. I ain't buzzed or nothing. Amen. And you mad. Then you will go back to the drug dealer and be like, what'd you sell me? That's right. You sold me some grass from outside. This ain't got nothing to it. Amen. You mad because you paid for something and it was never going to give you what you were looking for That's in the right. first place. Because even by the time you got finished smoking it, once you ate that uh, bologna and cheese sandwich, it was gone. <laughs> oh, is that too much? <laughs> is that too real? <laughs> y'all know where I'm, y'all. Quit playing. Mm-hmm. You keep using temporary stuff to fix what is a permanent problem. The only person that can fix that problem is Jesus Christ. Don't get made at the drug man. He he ain't got what you're looking for, for real. But I used to be a drug dealer. Now I'm pushing something different. All right. Oh, yeah. I switched partners. I'm no longer selling for the drug man. I got something that I'm pushing that has lasted me for at least 26 years. Mm. I never ran out. I ain't have to worry about getting pulled over by the cops because I'm looking for it. Go ahead, go ahead. I can have me a good old fix and a good old high right in my car and it's not illegal. Yes, yes. <laughs> so if you're looking for that good high, that good, good. That good, that oh, good, sorry. Real good. <laughs> we got it for you today. Yes, yes. And we don't even need your money to give it to you. Hallelujah. We're just looking for your heart. Yes. <laughs> we just looking for you to take one step at a time you ain't gotta be perfect you just gotta be willing how many people here if you don't mind stand to your feet everyone's standing it's like I can't do this thing cause I'm not perfect and I'm subject to messing up he says you ain't gotta be perfect you just gotta be willing Amen. how many of you all know okay it's time for me to quit playing for God it's time for me to give him my all if that's you today, the altar workers just want to pray with you. Hallelujah. Make your way to the altar and say, all right, I'm subject to messing it up again, but I'm just willing to try. I'm subject to messing it up again, but I'm just willing to take one step. God, if you can use anything, here I am. Yes, yes. Is there one in the room? Hallelujah. This isn't joining the church. This is just saying, Jesus, I need your help. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 
This isn't joining the church. This is just saying, Jesus, I need your help. We got one. We got a couple people. Come on, put your hands together and say, Jesus, I just need your help. Yay. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. need your help. I just need your help. I know I'm not perfect and I, I won't be perfect, but God, I just need your help. I just need your help. Help me to get this thing right. Mm, hallelujah. Help me to do right. Hallelujah. Help me. Hey. Help me. Hey. I need your help. I need your help to be the husband that you called me to be. I need your help to be the friend that you called me to be. I need your help to be the mother that you called me to be. Help me, Jesus. Yeah. My answer's yes. My answer's yes. My answer's yes. I may not get it all right, but my answer's yes, God. My heart wants to do what's right, even sometimes when my actions don't line up. God, my heart. I messed up so much, God. Hey, is there any room for me? And God says there's room for you at the cross. You haven't gone too far. You haven't done too much. I still love you. I still want you. I still need you. Come see me.
if you feel like that God has called you to be a part of this ministry, we open up the doors of the church that you would be able to come in and say, I want to be a part of this movement that God is doing in this house. I feel like God has called me to be a part of the misfits that fit. <laughs> We're that church that you don't have to be perfect to be a part of. You just have to be willing. So the doors of the church are open. If you decide, you know what, I think this is where God has called me to be. We'll have you meet with one of our admins and they will give you the information about the ministry. Even if you say, I want to be a part of the ministry, that does not automatically make you a member. Because we want you to read about what we are and who we are before you actually make the decision to be a part of the house. And so even if you're like, okay, well, I, I think I want to be, but what do y'all believe and what is expected of me and where do y'all go and what do y'all talk about? We're going to give you that information. Then we're going to sit down and meet with you. We're not that church that's like, oh, you feel good about it this Sunday and you want to come be a part? No, we're not that church because we want you to make a, a full-fledged understanding of what we are and who we are. Because you only see part of us on Sunday and Wednesday, but we want you to know who we are. Yeah. And so see us ask the church and say, can I at least have the information and then I can decide from there. We like that better. Because we want, if you have questions, we want you to be able to ask those questions. So ask the church if you're fine. Hey, I think the Lord is calling me here, but I'm not sure. What's that information? And we'll we'll give you the information and, and then Devin, Devin over in the corner, where you at, Devin? If you look back over there, she got her hand lifted up. That's Devin. She has the membership information to allow you to be able to look it over and read about it. And then we meet with you and you go through classes. You find out all about what, how we started, who we are. I kind of like that church. What y'all think? <laughs> I like being here. I like the crazy people that God has sent. We are such mismatched people. Y'all have no idea. <laughs> but we love each other and we love God. And that is what matters to us. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Uh, this is how we're going to close. Instead of just having a benediction, I want you to go around and hug somebody and say, I'm so glad you're here. Happy Easter. So go around and hug somebody. This is how we're closing. We're closing with love. Hallelujah. I love you, boys.